Welcome to the Nicole Mason Show, an empowering and encouraging safe space featuring trailblazing women offering strategies for success, tips on how to deal with microaggressions, understanding unconscious bias, and advice on how to rise above the fray with excellence. Get ready to show up great, speak up with confidence, and stand out with courage. And now, here's your host, Dr. Nicole Mason. Hello, and welcome to the Nicole Mason Show. This week, we are doing something different. We have the men taking over the Nicole Mason Show, and I'm so excited about it. It has been an awesome week, and we are ending on an extremely high note. Let me introduce my guest. I want to read a little bit of his bio, and we're going to jump right into the conversation. Russell Roy. Russell Roy Jr., born May 3rd, 1967, in Washington, D.C., to the incredible parents, Russell and Cordelia Roy, raised in Capitol Heights, Maryland. He attended public schools in both the District of Columbia and Prince George's County, Maryland. He is married to his queen, Kimberly Roy, and they've been married for 30 years, going to be celebrating 31 years this week. Amen. Yes, yes. And they have two beautiful daughters, Sade and Janae. Uh, In 1989, Russell enlisted in the United States Army and served as a military police, traveling to many countries to support military training and combat. He is a veteran of the Persian Gulf War, Desert Storm. He fulfilled his military obligation at the rank of staff sergeant. Uh, Upon returning home, he enrolled in barbering school and earned his District of Columbia Barber's License. Two years later, he successfully passed the master's barber examination. Russell's love for cutting hair led him to tap into his entrepreneurial interest. And in 2000, Cross Cuts Barbershop was born. Russell has an extensive bio, but I want to read this part in particular. Russell started his government career as a clerk typist, refusing to settle for an entry-level position. Russell worked very hard to achieve the requirements for the next level, and for the next 13 years, he would be promoted to various positions. And in 1997, Russell became the National Park Service's first African-American special agent and retired after 35 years in 2019 as the first African-American chief of the investigative services branch. Listen, this bio is extensive. Uh, So let me welcome you, Russell Roy, to the Nicole Mason Show. Thank you. Thank you, my sister. My goodness. Was that my resume? (laughs) Wow. Is something when when you hear people read your accomplishments, and you it does make you pause, doesn't it? It absolutely did. I I, I was stuck. I'm like, is that me? Yeah, and that's just a little bit of your bio. And so I want to start right there with mm-hmm. you becoming a trailbla- trailblazer at the National Park Service. You know, talk about what that climb was like up that ladder uh, to those spaces where no one that looked like you had ever been? Well, it was nothing but the Lord, I tell you. Um, Joining the National Park Service as a clerk type was in 1994. Um, All I saw was myself doing clerical work, um, 
but that's not what I wanted. I, that, but that's what I saw myself doing. And there was this glass ceiling over my head. And I just constantly, every day I was grinding, trying to be better. I wanted to show my family, my, my peers, my colleagues at work that I wanted more. I, I just wanted to be more. And I think there was a couple, I know for certain there were a couple of managers there that, that saw that ambition in me and they they helped me along the way and created some opportunities for me. And when those doors opened up, I stepped right in them and refusing to, like you stated earlier, to accept uh, mediocrity um, uh, positions. I wanted to be all I could be. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of that uh, motivation, um, I became the things you just described. Yeah, that's so awesome and amazing. So I know that you serve as a mentor, sometimes unofficially to so many men, particularly in your business, being a barber. Um, what 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 was that like for you as you were climbing the ladder? Did you encounter mentors and coaches that helped you along the way? I did. I most certainly did. And there was this one gentleman who actually I just had lunch with the uh, had brunch with this past Sunday because he's uh, getting ready to move out of the area. Um, He is someone who I would call my guardian angel. Mm -hmm. Um, White male. His name is Frank Singh. Um, He was not only my guardian angel, but he was like a work dad to me. And he just took me under his wing and he, he said, you know, you got a lot of fight in you. Mm-hmm. But I, I need to teach you how to fight with your mind and not always get be angry and ready to throw a punch, but throw a punch with your words and your and your actions um, in a more professional way. So he helped groom me and always said to me, give it back. And I never forgot that. And I would see young folks coming into the government uh, with no guidance, no one to teach them about little things that were really big things like the TSP, the retirement uh, thrift savings retirement plan. I would pull them to the side and I would share information that was shared to me to help them uh, uh, build their start their career, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I've just been been about passing it on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really powerful. And um, I appreciate you personally um, for being that mentor to the men that I love in my life. And like I said, sometimes it's unofficial because you don't know that people are watching you and you don't know the kind of impact that you have on others. And that's why it's so important for us, you know, to always monitor and watch how we are behaving because we don't know who's watching us. And so let me just ask you, because uh, you recently had the opportunity to join nine other men in the Faithful Fiery Trials book collaboration, first of its kind, where African-American Christian men have come together, sharing from a very vulnerable and transparent way you know, a little bit of their story. And I would like to just share uh, your story. Uh, the chapter title is God used her to push me. And I like this story because, you know, you dedicated to your daughters because you wanted them to know that they never had to settle. And in this chapter, you share a lot about, you know, how you were pushed into 
these great accomplishments that you always had inside of you. Mm -hmm. So share a little bit about number one, why you thought it was important to share your story in this book. And then, and it's called Faith for Fiery Trials, Men Impacting Men with Real, Raw, and Relatable Stories. Why it was important for you to share this story and just a little bit about it, not not a whole lot, but just a little bit about it uh, to wet the palate of those who are listening. Well, first, let me thank you for your vision and pulling this together and pulling the nine, 10 men together to write these stories and uh, choosing me to be a part of this project. I thank you because it most certainly gave me an opportunity to do just what you're asking of me, and that is to explain uh, 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 what a trial or or something that I had gone through that I would have liked to share with my son or my daughters. And in my case, it's my daughters. God blessed me with two beautiful daughters. And um, in my effort to try to communicate with them on a regular basis at home, sitting at the table, explaining this and explaining that. And, you know, those conversations turning into uh, sometimes arguments because they didn't want to they weren't receiving what I was saying. So this gave me an opportunity to be transparent with them and put my thoughts in writing and help them understand both my 24 year old and my 21 year old that you do not have to settle for mediocrity from anyone. It's okay to push that significant other, that person that you're in a relationship with to be their best, the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's all i you know, wanted to do with them is to show them and be transparent in this this project of who their father is, where I come from, why I think the way I think, why I'm motivated to to tell you these things, because as a man, I've been a young man, I've been a boyfriend too before. So if you listen to me, I can help coach you Mm -hmm. through those trials and tribulations that you're going to experience, those heartaches, those heartbreaks, those those situations where you may not even have to find yourself in if you just hear me. Yeah. And I know sometimes that can be really daunting when you have, you know, those kinds of conversations. I remember very vividly, I was a daddy's girl Mm -hmm. and my father and I used to have those kinds of raw conversations, but I'm so thankful now, you know, didn't Mm -hmm. always appreciate them as a teenager, Mm -hmm. as a young adult, uh, but I'm so thankful now, you know, um, my father was very instrumental in helping me to navigate the relationship scene. Now, I did not escape a lot of the trauma that I probably could have if I had listened, but I know that it could have been far worse if I did not have him. So thank you for being that kind of father and being there for your daughters. But I want to read just a little bit from your chapter please, so please. that we can dialogue further. Okay. Uh, you say here, uh, after Anita Baker finished her performance, mm. Anxiously waiting for Luther Vandross to hit the stage. Mm. While we sat in our seats, she asked me a question that I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. She asked me, what are you doing with your life? This question caught me off guard. Heck, we were at the Luther Vandross and Anita Baker concert. Mm. Um, but then you go on and I, I appreciate this so much. 
because then you start talking about, you say for months, I carried the weight of feeling like my efforts and short-term accomplishments did not matter. Mm. I cried and prayed to God to help me with my self-esteem and to help me to find a good paying job. God used her to push me. Mm. And, you know, just listening to you, you had always been someone that worked, mm-hmm. but just in that moment and in that time period, um, your life was on a different trajectory than right. the young lady you were dating. And that's where I think um, having a father to help you to navigate that space is so critical because I remember, you know, being quote, quote, in love with this guy. Now I say quote, quote, because that, that wasn't love. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You know, I knew that we were on different paths and he told me one day, he said, we're on two different paths. You need to go to the right, the way that you're going. And I'm going to keep going to the left because we're just not on two different paths. And of course, at that time I was hurt and crushed. And when I look back on it, I'm thankful. And so talk a little bit about what that did for you, although it was painful in the beginning, but when you look back on it, uh, just all of the things that have come from that time period. Well, you know, like it was hard to believe. It it certainly came unexpected. Um, uh, uh, Those of you who have read the book or or plan to read the book, you'll you'll see that uh, or read that um, I was totally caught off guard. Um, I thought, uh, Dr. Mason, that I was doing all right. I thought I was, you know, I had it going on. I had a good government. Well, I thought I had a good government paying yeah, job yeah. at the time. I was able to pay my bills. I mean, you know, I was doing all right. She was attending college and uh, I was attending a, a, a community college at the time. But I always knew that uh, she was uh, far advanced academically than I. Uh, and that, that kind of... Uh, bothered me in a sense because she had a way at times to make me feel that I was not on her level academically. So this question that was posed to me only magnified those feelings at that time and I wasn't expecting it. So I became angry. Uh, I was immature at that time to, uh, I wasn't mature enough to handle the the essence of the question and she really did not understand that god was really just using her as a vessel to speak to my spirit because i was i, I there was so much more for me yeah but he used her to ask that question and i became angry with her and we later you know went our separate ways and then we reconnected but the the question still resonated in my spirit what are you doing with your life so everything every everything that came to my mind that i wanted to do i i i I, that question popped up in my head what are you doing with your life so i started to pursue and accomplish and complete every assignment that was in front of me. One, because I wanted to prove to her, because I didn't at that time have a relationship with God at the time. I just was on uh, on something else. I, I was just motivated to prove myself yeah. that I was better than what she was seeing me as. Huh. So that just propelled me. That catapulted me to be the best that I thought I could. And everything that I wanted to do, 
Mm-hmm. I, I pursued it. Yeah. But, you know, and that's so powerful because what I hear in that is, you know, and I know you shared this with your daughters because I heard it from my own father. You have to you have to be in a relationship with somebody that celebrates you, celebrates you for who you are Mm -hmm. and then help to nurture your potential and not, you know, just kind of tear you down. Sometimes it's those subtle things that do more damage than the outright kind of language. Would you agree with that? They can be the most painful behaviors and actions. Yeah. The small ones. Yeah. But you know what? I also know too, um, Brother Russell, that sometimes people see that greatness in you and they don't want you to reach your full potential. It can can be really daunting Mm -hmm. when you think about it. You know, that's what we get, you know, haters and all of that. Sometimes it's people that profess to love you that push, push back or push, you know, push you away from where you need to be going. Speak to that a little bit, you know, particularly as you're talking to your daughters, because there are some young women that may be listening, you know, just how do you advise your daughters to deal with people who are not celebrating who they are and the greatness within them. Hmm. That's a good, that's, that's good right there. Um, let me, let me think for a second. How do, how do I want to say this? Um, I'm constantly speaking to my daughters and other neighbors' daughters. They call me, they ask my, my colleagues, my neighbors, they ask me, man, you raised two daughters. What, what are you telling them? What are you talking to them about? And I tell them, man, first thing I tell my daughters, I want them to be independent. I want them to be independent thinkers. I want them to be able to stand on their own two feet. I don't want them to have to depend on a man. But at, uh, at the moment that they feel that they're in love and they want to uh, bridge that relationship, then then they need to also be able to uh, 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 step back and and look for uh, him uh, to look for things that their father mm-hmm. exposed them to, and that's, I yeah. tell them all the time: use me mm-hmm. as a thermometer as how you really grade your 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 the person that you're interested in, um, and that's why I try to always be you know be the best I can be in front of them. But the 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 to answer your question is always teaching them to be independent, but humble, be lovable. Don't be so strong that you run, run him away, mm-hmm. but you also have to be able to, he has to respect your space. He has to respect your intelligence. He has to respect your heart. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't do those things, then you have to reexamine the relationship. Mm-hmm. That just hit me somewhere. That is so, that's so awesome because when you say respect your heart, you know, because of course, a lot of times we wear our hearts on our sleeves and, you know, it's hard to kind of pull yourself back, but you're absolutely correct. You know, that person must respect your heart. Also like the fact that you talk about let, you know, you are setting the standard for them to gauge any man by. And when you are a good father, that sets the bar so high 
for for somebody to come into their lives. Um, but I'm of the mindset that, you know, when it all shakes out, you usually end up with somebody that's a lot like your father when he has impacted you. I, 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 I'm a witness to that. Um, my husband is so much like my father. Um, I want to just ask you too. You know, talk a little bit about, you know, uh, your mentoring to young men. So you are really working on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, you are encouraging and coaching the girls and you are mentoring the boys, you know, serving in our church with the um, single um, what is it called? The, um, the, uh, the son's ministry. Son's ministry. Right. Yeah, I want to say really singles. Uh-huh. Sons Ministry, um, and that's working with young men from single parent households. Right. And then, of course, you know, owning your own barbershop, mm-hmm. Crosscuts Barbershop. And we'll give give the information for that in just a little bit. Appreciate that. But, um, you know, having the men come in and out of there, you see men from all walks of life. Talk about that. Well, you know, the barbershop has become my sanctuary. That's my chapel. Uh Mm-hmm. Our bishop, Archbishop Alfred A. Owens Jr., um, told me many, many years ago that I had a calling on my life to preach. And he was, <laughs> I'll just say that he, uh, I didn't follow in the in those footsteps. I, I, I shared with our pastor that I believe that my 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 work and my my pulpit is the barbershop, and I believe I can reach more men, women, children from that seat than I can from any other seat. And he respected that, but he still, you know, he's the bishop. He's going to tell you what he what he <laughs> believes, and that's that's what it is. So yeah. I still have not yet fulfilled his uh, uh, vision for my life in that area. But uh, I, I've been called upon by him and the, the leadership, uh, the men that he put in place over that ministry to mentor, to mm. teach, to coach these young men. I've gone in and done presentations on various topics uh, with respect to grooming, with respect to um, hygiene and just taking care of their, their overall well-being. Mm-hmm. And I've done some just straight talk with them about how they should treat a lady. And it was easy for me to do that because I was basically, it was an opportunity for me to tell these young men how I would want them to treat my daughter. Mm-hmm. So while, um, you know, I thought it went great. They thought it went great. Uh, I actually brought in a young lady. We, we brought in a young lady to to in the class and we we did some, some exercises where she... We, we just called up a young man and said, tell me, how would you how would you approach this young lady mm-hmm. if you were at school? What would you say to her if you liked her? And mm-hmm. it was pretty interesting to, to see how some of these young men would would approach them. And it's all, again, based on their environment and where they what they usually do and behave, what they see, what's entertaining to them, what's feeding them. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm honored that that our leadership would find that um, uh, something in me or believe in me that I would have something to value add to their life that will that would help cultivate a difference in them. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm honored by that. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And, you know, I can just say you know, you have the kind of spirit energy that is very welcoming 
and, mm-hmm. you know, non-judgmental, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that causes people to be drawn uh, to you, to be able to just share out of the bounty of your heart with them. You, you've been that to my own sons, you know, mm-hmm. seeing them in the barbershop when they come in there, or they would come in there. And uh, I really thank you because you're making a difference just by being in that space. So, you know, God bless you. I want to just ask you too. the time is wrapping up, but I want to ask you, you know, what led you into barbering? Well, what led me into barbering is uh, I I had many days of correcting my own haircut. Mm. My mother would cut this bold cut. I mean, you you guys know what it looked like. And it just, it was just not faded. And I just looked like I had a bowl sitting on top of my head. So I began to take those clippers and and try to fade that line out and create what what we could not at that time really afford. And that was for me to go to the barbershop and sit down and get a, a, a professional haircut. So she she did it every other Sunday before we went to school on Monday. But I I turned those clippers. I was able to master how to adjust those blades and blend. And uh, and that was the, the genesis of my barbering uh, 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 career. So I've always had a, a niche for, for fashion and um, I love fashion. I love being well-groomed. I love to see other men well-groomed. I've, lo- I've always loved to draw. That's the artistic part of me. So it's all connected. And um I just love make. I just love changing things. Yeah, uh, that's really awesome. And so, share with the audience the address for the barber shop. Thank you. Yes, Crosscuts Barbershop is located at six hundred five Rhode Island Avenue, Northeast Washington D.C. Uh, you can reach the barber shop. Uh, via my uh, Google phone number, it will come directly to me, and that's seven zero seven eight two zero seven one five one. You can also find me at uh, Instagram at Crosscuts DC hashtag Crosscuts DC. Um, we would love to serve you. We've been in operation now for over twenty one years, and I've had the privilege of cutting some of the most prominent heads in the world, from Bishop Alfred A. Owens Jr.'s haircut to Bishop T.D. Jakes to Deion Sanders and, and a host of others. And, and I would say my brother, Sean Mason, his son, Michael Mason. Well, Mike gets his cut by uh, Ernest, but he's still one of my, 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 my guys. But I did get the opportunity to cut Antonio's head, which is my man. Yeah. Shout out to Antonio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And um, and I really, really want to encourage those, particularly those who are in the D.C. metropolitan area. Uh, if you are a single mom, take your sons over to Crosscuts Barbershop. Um, powerful, yes. positive environment. Uh, if you are a brother, you're listening and you need a positive environment to be in. That is it. Crosscuts Barbershop. And I really appreciate you for all that you do. And um, I just thank you for your time. Uh, And do you have a a personal website, Russell, where people can purchase the book or you just are using the barbershop as a way uh, to talk with people about the book? No, I appreciate that. Thanks for reminding me that. Yes, you can reach, you can purchase the book from my website, uh, www.crosscutsbarbershop.com. Crosscuts is spelled C-R-O-S-S. 
C-U-T-S, barbershop.com. Excellent. Very good. Uh, and I'm telling you uh, that, that that environment is such that um, people come in uh, feeling down, but they leave feeling upbeat, feeling Amen. motivated, Amen. feeling inspired, you know, uh, and it's a powerful place to be in to get wisdom from, you know, men who uh, want you to win. And that's what um, Russell has created in his barbershop where the men who are sitting in there, they want each other to win. So I'm excited about it and um, just really excited for your 2022, you and your wife. Uh, shout out to Kimberly. Um, you all are moving and shaking in your business and real estate. I'm um, just doing a lot of great things uh, to not just be a blessing to your own family, but to also be a blessing to others. And so I want to thank you for that. Yes. And thank her for her work uh, that she's doing, helping people to become homeowners and, you know, purchasing property, you all as investors. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I love you because, you know, the Redskins and the uh, 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 Philadelphia Eagles are playing right now, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. And um, I, uh, I also pray that people will continue to patronize your barbershop and to purchase the book. So uh, this has been a wonderful whirlwind week where the men have taken over the Nicole Mason. Yes, yes. You can follow me across social media at Nicole S. Mason ESQ and on my website at Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E-S Mason.com. And thank you for joining the Nicole Mason show. And be sure to tune in for the next episode of a powerful session that we have planned for you here on the Nicole Mason Show. You've been listening to the Nicole Mason Show with Dr. Nicole Mason, an empowering and encouraging safe space featuring trailblazing women offering strategies for success. For more information, visit the NicoleMasonShow.com or click on programs at dcradio.gov.